You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL. He also writes for Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, what do you think of this uh, 2022 Packers schedule? Well, I'm always excited. I I enjoy the schedule release because it like my head starts swimming. I'm planning out my, you know, which games uh, to cover, which games to watch. I mean, I watch them all, but just sort of putting it all in my mind and then figuring out which games are the key games, the important games, the tough parts, the easier parts. And of course, we speculate about it every year and every year by the time the season starts. (laughs) You're not necessarily right anymore because so many things change, but just knowing how things are all sort of fitting together is very exciting. Well, the first thing I looked for was where is uh, the game at Detroit? Because I live in Michigan, so that's the most convenient game for me to go to. We got week nine, be mm-hmm. November 6th. It's a noon game. Uh, if I'm going to go to a game this year, it's probably going to be that one. Uh, I just can't imagine with a new baby on board, uh, I'm going to be able to steal away to wisconsin this year have to wait till next year um and i can't do the london game either that would be super fun but yeah uh here's the what jumped out to me aside from the fact that for the approximately 11th year in a row we are flying out to uh santa clara to play at levi stadium this time in the preseason when it doesn't really matter but we still have to have a game at Levi Stadium every single year against the 49ers. It's a law of physics. What jumped out to me was week one, we're opening against the Viking uh, against the Vikings at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. And I think that that's advantageous because they got a new regime in there, rookie head coach, uh, a lot of young players there. I think that although the Vikings on paper – have enough talent that they could really be dangerous. You know, I, I think week one Packers should have the upper hand. So it'll be nice to get that U.S. Bank Stadium game out of the way nice and early. Unfortunately, over the last few years, we've had more success against the Vikings on the road than we have at home. Uh, uh, at least, uh, what, 2020, that was the case. They came and kicked our butts at home. Yeah. Uh, and then 2021, I, I got to watch that game in person. That was a blast. No Kirk Cousins, so it wasn't really a game that you had any concern about. Uh, but it was awful nice to watch the Packers hang. Um, just a miserable experience around the next of the Vikings. Then we got our bye week, week 14. Yeah. Nice late bye week. Maybe sets us up well for a deep playoff push. Maybe you're more uh, rested and refreshed. But – you just never know with the bye week. I, early bye, late bye. I don't think that you can know at this point in the year whether you have a good bye week. It, it just comes down to when you actually end up needing it in your season. You might get really banged up really early, and a, a nice early bye week saves your bacon, lets you get some guys 
uh, rested up to, to avoid further injury. You just never know. But on paper, if you had to pick later or earlier, you would tend to pick later. Yeah, I would. I mean, this is the second year in a row they have the latest buy in team history. Last uh, year it was week 13. Now they go to week 14. Uh, you know, I, I'm almost a little concerned that it's too late in the season because if they're playing well, you don't want to wreck the momentum. To me, yeah, the sweet fair. spot is more like week 8, 9, 10, 11, somewhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the middle to to sort of break it up but not disturb momentum if you're if you're doing well heading down the stretch but hey uh I like the fact that the bye week sets us up to play the Rams coming off the bye week and uh it's a home game and it's on Monday night football so you know that that that's a nice little bonus right there where do you see the first loss of the season coming last year we were both way wrong because we thought we were going to whoop the Saints. And we really should have. We had no business losing to the Saints that day, uh, week one. I think last year, I, I was saying we were going to lose in week three to the Niners. And then you circled the Steelers in week uh, four. Week four. Yeah, yeah. Then we this, won both of those games. So That's true. This year we have, um, we open with Vikings and then Bears. So it's at Vikings, home against the Bears. Then you're on the road against the Buccaneers and then home for the Patriots. That's your first four games. Do you think we're 4-0 and at that point? No, I, I think week three at Tampa Bay is where we run into a little bit of trouble. It would make some sense. I think you look at the two teams and the biggest difference between them is that the Packers are going to be a lot younger team. You're going to have a, a, a lot of uh, first and second year players who you're leaning on to be contributors. It, it would make sense that an older, more polished Buccaneers team would be equipped to handle you uh, decently well in week three. I think if you're playing the Buccaneers later in the season, you might have a little more confidence. Week three to me makes a lot of sense. I think I'm going to go ahead and circle week four. I, I think, I think mm-hmm. maybe we squeak out a win against the Buccaneers and then hopefully don't face them in the playoffs. The Patriots to me are the kind of team that we struggle with a lot. Uh, really good in the trenches. Um, it's, it's, it's a weird offense. I, I think that they could throw enough wrinkles our way that, you know, I would be really excited if our, uh, our, our offensive line is up to the challenge of handling them. They just have a lot of talent up front and, and the kind of bully ball that they like to play strikes me as maybe a, a bad mismatch for the Packers, but it'll be interesting to see. It will be. And and ironically enough, we get Brady and Belichick in back-to-back weeks in week three and week four. Uh, didn't even notice that. You're right. All right. Anything else from the schedule that jumps out at you or uh, should we hop into some player talk? Well, I, first of all, kind of interesting that we did not choose to take the bye after the trip to London in week five. That's well, you, uh, say, you say we, but really it's it's uh, it's the, the organization's henchmen, yeah. Right. Well, I I think they what I heard, and again, uh, was that the Packers were offered the bye there and said they preferred oh. to have it later. I so, didn't hear that, but that is interesting. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense though because you look at. Uh, weeks so week five London trip against the Giants, 
the stretch immediately following that, you got the Jets at home, and then you're on the road at Washington. Those two games are going to be snooze fests. I mean, knock on wood. But those games should be snooze fests. Why would you want to burn a bye week to get ready for the New York Jets? That, that <laughs> practically is a bye week. I hope that doesn't come back to bite us. I really do. <laughs> Losing to the Jets would be really embarrassing. It, it would not be a good thing to lose to the Jets. And, and you know what? That, that's a home game, too. So you well, really don't also, want to. Didn't we lose? Let me think about this. No, we beat the Jets the last time we played them in 2018. Yeah. In overtime, uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. That was an interesting game. Uh, yeah, that was EQ's best game. EQ, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, so this is funny. Some Bears fans on Twitter and and Facebook are really hyping up EQ and <laughs> and talking about how you know he's like you know wide receiver one potential. Right. And the the only reason why he couldn't hack it with the Packers is because. Aaron Rodgers had a personal vendetta against EQ. It took me about five seconds to go find a ton of quotes over the last few years of Rodgers just singing Equinemius' praises and really going to bat for him. Um, you know, going toe to toe with the organization sometimes when when uh, uh, coaches were, were ready to move on from him and and Rogers was sticking up for him. I thought that was uh, funny and and just an overall weak. Uh, attack on on Rogers, you know, to try to try and, and use EQ of all people, and say that uh, that Rogers had a vendetta against him. Yeah, that's pushing it. <laughs> that <is laughs> definitely pushing it. So, uh, but you know, we have five primetime games, which I like, and I got a circle week ten when the Cowboys come to town with with Mike McCarthy as their head coach. I mean, Packers Cowboys is always fun. But you add the homecoming for Mike McCarthy, and I think that adds an, another level of juice to a game that is already going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good season. No no question about it. I think this is going to be fun. Um, I'm a lot more excited for this season than I was for last season. Look, 2020, I was, I was just on fire. I was so excited. I felt like that was our year. We were going to win the Super Bowl. It just felt magical from – you know, uh, voluntary OTAs on last year. I, I just never, and part of it had to do with all of the off season drama we were dealing with. Part mm-hmm. of it had to do with the lackluster start to the season. I didn't like a lot of the off season moves that we made, uh, pushing all the money out and, and keeping a few guys that I really felt like it was time to cut bait on this year. I'm, I'm back on back on the horse. I'm excited. This this feels like it's about to be a special season, and and uh, I, I, I like our draft class. I think that there's some guys in this in this group of rookies who are going to be big contributors as early as this year. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll it'll be a, a fun ride this year, I think. And you know, Packers playing on Christmas Day for the second year in a row, and playing on New Year's Day this year because they both fall on Sundays. So uh, that's going to yeah, be a little, did you like the strange. Christmas? Did you like the Christmas game last year? I, oh. for, it was a challenge for me because I have all, you know, my, my family has all of these uh, Christmas plans. Right. So then to be trying to say, Oh, it, you know, g- give me a couple hours here to watch a Packers game. That just wasn't going to fly. 
Yeah, no, I, I could understand that. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, it, it's a welcome thing. I mean, I, I don't celebrate Christmas. So for me, there's usually nothing on TV to have NFL games is great to have Packer games is even better. Uh, but I feel for the players, that's really my biggest concern. I mean, I'm sure yeah. they want to spend the holiday with their family and their, uh, you know, their significant others and to not be able to do that, to have to work on Christmas day has got to be something that doesn't thrill them. But the fact that it's on a Sunday, you know, in the past, the NFL would either play on Saturday or, or play on Monday, depending on, where they would do things or even new year's day they wouldn't play because that was traditionally the big college bowl games now you know it's sunday we're playing so let's talk about um <clears throat> excuse me i took a sip of uh, uh gatorade here <laughs> oh i shouldn't say gatorade because they don't sponsor us yet someday maybe <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but maybe maybe they don't want to sponsor me anyways well when it went down the the wrong windpipe <laughs> <clears throat> Let's talk about Eli Wolf. Yeah. Tight end Packers signed um, or claimed off of waivers this week off of the Colts. They released uh, wide receiver Chris Blair to make room. Made a lot of sense to me. Blair has been around for a while. <clears throat> Never really showed much. Wolf is 25 years old. Uh, he was a 2020 uh, undrafted free agent out of Georgia. Initially signed with the Ravens. And uh, spent uh, the 2020 season on the Ravens practice squad. Then 2021, <clears throat> he ended up spending uh, the final two months of the season on the Colts practice squad. Now, uh, just got released, uh, you know, cut by the, the Colts, uh, picked up by the Packers. Fun fact about Wolf, his big brother, Ethan Wolf, uh, spent time on the Packers practice squad in 2018-2019. And the, the two did um, uh, play together at uh, Tennessee. Uh, uh, Eli was a grad transfer from Tennessee to Georgia. Uh, so that's how he played at both those schools. <clears throat> uh, big guy, uh, as most tight ends are, obviously. And the tight end room, I think, is probably the thinnest uh, on the roster, unless you are counting safety. Mm-hmm, which I am. You got Mercedes Lewis, you got uh, Josiah DeGuara, Dominique Daphne, Tyler Davis, Elise Mack, and then Robert Tunyon, you would think, probably starts the year on the pup list. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but but seems like a safe bet. There is room for a tight end to step up, whether that's going to be Daphne, uh, Tyler Davis, uh, maybe Wolf. There is room for another tight end to to uh, make some plays. I think there's a roster roster spot to be earned here. Yeah, it's there. And look, even if it's not a roster spot, definitely a practice squad spot as an alternative. And then you never know with injuries what might happen. That gives you the chance to make an impression and to stick around. So I, I think this was a good signing. Uh, kind of was rooting for Chris Blair, but realistically, I know he didn't have a great chance of making the team and uh, I wish him the best of luck where he goes from here, but Wolf six, four, two Yep. Uh, you know, I am looking forward to seeing what he can do. And in case you're wondering, no relation to Ron Wolf. No, no, no relation. All right. Let's talk about Devonte Wyatt. So, <clears throat> cause he, he's the main reason we're doing the podcast here today. This is, this is his moment to shine. 
That's right. Uh, Devontae Wyatt. When we drafted Kawhi Walker, I I uh, was doing the, the uh, uh, Packernet live stream. We were all saying who we wanted, and and uh, I said there, and also texted my wife a short list of uh, a few players who I really wanted at twenty two. Devontae Wyatt was on that list. Quay Walker wasn't, uh, and that's fine. I'm I'm excited about Quay Walker now, but one of the reasons why I was not excited about the Quay pick in that moment was because we are saying no to Devontae Wyatt. And I, I, my heart was breaking. He was far and away, clearly in my eyes, the most talented uh, uh, defensive tackle in this draft class. And that he was still there at 28 excited me so much. I know he's a little bit older. I'm not really sure that bothers me. Um, Uh, the way the uh, NFL has been trending the last few years where you don't really know where guys are going to be after their first contract. I'm not so sure it's the worst thing in the world to have a guy come in who is, uh, you know, maybe ready to uh, start contributing right away. I think you'll you look at when the Packers tend to move on from guys. It's like just a year or two before, you really would expect them to like, you know, they, they move on from a guy and you're like, yeah, I, I kind of get why you wouldn't give him another four year contract, but like a two year contract would have made sense. Right. Right. And uh, so, you know, you get Devontae's a, a year or two older than, than uh, what they typically take guys, a freak athlete, nine, five, six RAS. Uh, his composite size grade was uh, just okay, but <clears throat> elite speed grade, uh, very explosive, great broad drum, broad jump, uh, good agility. And this is a guy who I think w- what excites me the most about just him as a player, not how he fits in, but just him as a player. Dude can be a three down lineman. He he is a, a really good pass rusher, really good against the run, uh, plays really good gap sound football and. You know, we, we've all seen the clips of him chasing down uh, running backs and quarterbacks. The dude moves like a linebacker. He's a defensive tackle who moves like a linebacker. That's the best way to describe him. He's not a tweener. He's just a freakishly athletic defensive tackle. Yeah, he is. And, and you know, two things that make me think about that he could have a more immediate impact this year. Well, three things. Number one, the lack of depth along the defensive line, interior defensive line for the Packers. That's been an issue we know for quite some time. Number two is his age. As you mentioned, he is a little bit older. Uh, And then number three, coming from the University of Georgia, they played a much more complex defense at Georgia than most other college programs did. So when you add up the age and the fact that he's in a more NFL type defense in college, he may be ready to to contribute a lot sooner than most typical rookie defensive linemen are. Yeah, I'm 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 super excited. I think Devontae Wyatt is the single most exciting draft pick that we got this year, and that's saying a lot because <laughs> I really love some of these other guys too. Um, one of the things that uh, that you saw at Georgia. And this this has kind of been a thing 
um, you know, that we, we, we talk about in, in uh, college football circles, sort of the evolution, you know, the, the, the new look college defense you're seeing and, and Georgia is, is the premier example of this. <clears throat> you're seeing some defenses really pave the way with elite uh, interior defensive line play and elite linebacker play, which mm-hmm. is counterintuitive, really counterintuitive to, you know, uh, the traditional get your your uh, uh, outside pass rushers and your cornerbacks, and that's how you shut down a defense. You know, going against the grain and, and playing a brand of football that uh, offenses are not built to defeat – really can be effective. It was very effective for Georgia, you know, and, and obviously one of the, of the uh, things that Georgia had going for it was elite playmakers at every single position, incredible depth at every single position. Who does that kind of sound like in the NFL green Bay Packers right now? That's, that's how we've been describing them. Every position group along the defense you look at and you say, I think that they can hang with anybody else in the NFL, uh, you compare our safeties to everybody else's safeties. Is it going to be number one? Probably not, but top five. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pass rushers. Maybe it's not quite as deep as you want. Although the addition of Kingsley and Agbari, I think helps that a lot, but you take your top two guys, Rashawn and Preston, who has a better pass rushing duo than that. This is a top two, top three pass rushing group in the league. And you look at, the fact that every single defensive position group across the board individually is top three, top four, independent of everybody else on their own team. I think you're you're looking at something really special where this defense really could pave the way to a really special season where you don't necessarily have to score a lot of points offensively <clears throat> to win games and maybe even win games by a pretty convincing margin. I, I think this could be uh, a, a very, very uh, fun defensive to watch defense to watch. So a question that just sort of popped into my mind. Now that you <clears throat> mentioned what you just mentioned, do you think Aaron Rodgers is ready and can handle not being the end all and be all focal point? Like, so many years you've heard, if Aaron Rodgers does well, the Packers will do well. Uh, all of a sudden, it may not be that way anymore. Can he handle that? If he can't handle that, that is uh, kind of a damning indictment of him as a person. I agree. I, I agree. I can't imagine why that wouldn't excite him to no end, that it's finally not just him making miracles happen. Uh, you know, because we've seen that play out so many years. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it'd be interesting to sit down with Rodgers and talk about his thoughts on the Niners loss, where for once, very clearly, the defense was not the problem. They've had so many playoff games where it didn't matter how magical Rodgers was. The defense was going to cough it up over and over and over again, just wet the bed, give up field position, give up uh, points, not get turnovers. And, you know, this year, 
it'd be interesting to hear kind of where his head is at, knowing that it was his side of the ball that didn't get the job done. I, I, I just would be interested to see where where his mind is at on that. But I have to imagine it's, it's refreshing to him, at least to go. All right. At least it wasn't same old, same old, like nobody's helping me. At least this time <laughs> when we lost, I can at least look myself in the mirror and say, you know what? I could have been better. Do you, but okay, but do you think he did that? I mean, do you think that at the end of the playoff game last year, yeah. Aaron Rodgers said, "You know what? A lot of this is on me." Oh yeah, I absolutely. Oh, okay, I think, I think so. Okay, I mean, I don't know him personally, obviously, but right from what I do know of him, I think that he can be that honest with himself. I no question in my mind at all. Okay, um, good. Yeah, and 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 you know what? I still think the offense is going to be good. It may not be good all year long. It may not be good consistently. It may take a little while for it to get going. It kind of took a while last year for it to get going. And a big part of that was because the offensive line was struggling so much. Part of it was Rodgers was struggling in the beginning of the season. Um, well, I, I won't go down that trail. But um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to ask the defense to carry the team through the first third of the season and, and and really ask them to step up and win you a lot of games during that time and just tell them, listen, the offense needs to be just good enough, but we're going to pave the way with our road grading defense. I think that that is a reasonable ask when you have so much draft capital, uh, so much money tied up in the defense uh, you know, and, and, and all these investments you got, uh, Joe Barry has put in so much time with these guys and, and they, uh, all these first round picks year after year, after year, after year, after year on defense. And it's all coming together at this point. I think, you know, your second year in Joe Barry's system where hopefully your safeties are, are kind of coming along. Now we, we know that in this defense, it's very demanding of the safeties. We, mm-hmm. we we have cut Amos and and Savage a lot of slack and said, yeah, there's a lot being asked of you. In year two, it is time for you to to uh, have come come along to the point where you know what's expected of you. It feels more like second nature. It's it's a lot more just read and react as opposed to really trying to be cerebral with it. Uh. It, I, I think that it's a reasonable ask to have the defense pave the way for the first like third of the season. But I think that the offense is going to get cooking as well. I think I, I would say by the time we play the Cowboys in week 10, this is probably going to be a pretty lethal offense. You're going to have the tight ends in the mix. I think that uh, either guys that we have on the roster already at tight end are going to be playing up to the level that we need them to be, or we will have made an acquisition somewhere. I think that tight end is going to be a a hugely important factor to this offense. You're going to have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon heavily involved in the receiving game. Uh, Maybe Kylan Hill. I'm not not sure how he's going to factor into the offense this year. We'll have to see. And then you have enough talent at receiver and you have enough guys, you can spread the ball around and be really, uh, really punishing to opposing defenses. And I think one thing that is going to um, maybe be a challenge for opposing defenses is that, yes, it used to be that we had Devontae Adams and he was really hard to cover. Mm -hmm. 
but you knew that's where the ball was going. Now the ball is just going to go wherever you aren't. And so the only way you're going to be able to beat our offense is if you can trick Aaron Rodgers into uh, thinking that he has a safe place to go with the ball that you actually are defending. That's going to be kind of your only way forward because, you know, if you've got four or five guys on the field at any given time who are all very equal talents to each other, why in the world would Rogers be forcing the ball to whoever you are, uh, you know, dedicating resources to defending? He's not. He's going to go wherever you aren't. Well, I, I see that is to me the best case scenario, and I am hoping we get the best case scenario. Yeah, but, but there but, is the worst case scenario, which is, is Rogers goes back to pass, looks for you know. First read, not open. Second read, not open. Third read, kind of open, but I don't trust that guy. I'm not going to throw the ball to him on third and seven because I don't feel comfortable doing that in a big spot. And all of a sudden, he takes a sack or the play breaks down and he has to throw the ball away. I mean, that that is worst case scenario, but you you act like I'm uh, drawing up this vision for the offense out of thin air, just fancy. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I'm not. I'm drawing it from we've had seven or eight, I think seven games without Devontae in the LeFleur era. This is what the offense looked like. And it was painfully hard to cover. Even you think back to that Cardinals game last year where we didn't have anybody. We had Amari Rogers and Juwan Winfrey and Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, did we Randall have Cobb. Lazard? We, uh, Randall Cobb. I don't think we even had Lazard for that game, did we? No, I don't think we did. I mean, Juwan Winfrey was a really big factor in that in that offense for that game. Not because Juwan Winfrey was special, but because we didn't have any other bodies to put out there. Uh, and and still, the Cardinals couldn't do anything to slow us down. Well, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go that far. We scored twenty four points. Uh, we, we did well early against a defense that was not allowing 24 points to anybody that time of year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, look, I was pleased with that performance. It was dramatic. They were unbeaten, but the offense had 335 yards in that game. We're not talking about a dominant performance, but look, you got to give credit to Rogers and to the receivers. You had, you know, a, a situation where Aaron Jones had seven catches, uh, in that game, Winfrey had four, uh, you know, Tunyon had three, Cobb had three, uh, Deguara two, EQ two. So they spread it around and it ended up working very well. Even Amari Rogers had one catch. So uh, one of his four for the season. So yeah, it can be done. And Rogers has shown that in fact, you know, there there are always people making that argument. I don't agree with it in the long run, but hey, he's better off without Devontae because he won't, you know, focus solely on Devontae and he'll spread the ball around more. You know, you always want to have, if you've got the best wide receiver in football or one of the top two or three, you want him in your lineup. So, you know, I don't think they're a better team without Devontae Adams as compared to with him, but... Rodgers has shown in the past when he has to, he can find the open man 
And hopefully it's not going to be as bare a receiver room as what they had against the Cardinals last year. Here's my last Rogers question for you. Then we have to get back to Devontae Wyatt. Yeah. Uh, over or under 4,000 passing yards for Aaron Rodgers this year. Wow. Okay. That's uh, that's a good one. Over or under 4,000 yards. I will I tell am... you, I will tell you in his career as a starter, when he played the whole season, all right, so I'm not including 2017 where he uh, only played uh, six and a half games. Right. In his career as a starter, he's had two years where he didn't hit uh, 4,000 yards. Uh, One was in 2015. He had 3,821 yards. Obviously, 2015 was a year where the overarching theme of that season until the end of the season was what is wrong with Aaron Rodgers. He -hmm. was not good to start the season, and that was – part uh, largely on him. It was partially on the rest of the offense. He finally turned it around. Uh, the, 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 the offense got clicking and we know what they did to end the season. The other year, 2010. Yeah. Now he missed 922, uh, missed it by, uh, less than 80 yards, almost had 4,000, uh, passing yards, but right. nice and, consolation and- prize of a Super Bowl ring. But right, and he missed a game. He only played 15 games that year. So That's true. That's true. Uh, so, you know, he would have basically a full season. Yeah, he, he would have gone over had he played that last game almost certainly. But yeah, I I would tend to think that Rodgers is going to get his 4000 yards. I think so too. But and, and so those yards are going to go somewhere. Is is it all going to go to Al Lazard? I don't think so. I think it's no, going to get spread no. around five, six, seven hundred yards apiece to running backs, tight ends, and five different receivers. I will say Rodgers will get his 4,000 yards, but the Packers will not have a 1,000-yard receiver. On I would – yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably correct. I think it's probably correct. I would be – I'll be really interested to see what Sammy Watkins can do because he does still have all the tools – uh, he has never really been able to put it together. That's true. Even when he had Mahomes thrown to him, it's true. He's never really been able to put it all together. But I think that he has the potential to maybe finish the year as the receiver with the most yards, most touchdowns um, in this offense. And and maybe those are some respectable numbers. I, I think we get four receivers, and it doesn't have to be wide receivers, but four receivers on this team with more than 500 yards receiving. And I think that you're going to see like nine different guys catch at least one touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers, maybe 10. Um, He's going to spread the ball around more. You're going to see both uh, running backs, both of the top Mm -hmm. two running backs, very much involved in the passing game. You're going to see a couple of tight ends very much involved in the passing game. And then, you know, we may go four or five deep with receivers who are, you know, no one's going to have 11 catches for 148 yards and two touchdowns on a regular basis. No. It's going to be a different guy every week, depending yep. on the matchups, depending on yep. what that happens. Blur offense, 100%. And, and, you know, if it works out well, that brings out the best in Matt LaFleur as a play caller mm-hmm. and in Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. But here's the other thing. I don't think we see as many touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers this year. I think we're more like the 35 
you know, 33 to 35 mark rather than the 35 to 40 mark. That's fine with me. He got four oh, MVPs. Yeah. I, I think his fourth MVP was maybe a little bit debatable whether he really should have won it. I, I think Joe Burrow made a really solid case for MVP. I thought it was a little bit of a travesty that he didn't get one. But I, I again, I, I think that it's going to be enough. I think that the defense is going to is going to take a lot of pressure off of the offense. I think there's going to be weeks where the offense wins it for you, weeks where the defense wins it for you. Uh, but but I am really curious to see, going back to Devontae Wyatt, how early do they get him involved? Is he going to be a starter week one? I'm going to say no. I think Dean Lowry starts week one um, over Devontae Wyatt. That that should not come as a shock to anybody. I mean, l- listen, last year, Kevin King started in week one over Eric Stokes. All right, so if you if you don't think that the Packers who are obsessed with and love Dean Lowry are going to start Dean Lowry over a rookie, mm, I I I I just I can't go there with you. But the nice thing with defensive tackle is that that is a position where you rotate a lot of bodies through. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a lot of opportunities and early on to show why he's the guy that they can rely on uh, for three downs. He is going to be a regular part of the rotation starting in week one. Again, assuming everybody's healthy, but he's going to be part of the rotation in week one. And I think by the end of the season, he will be on the field for more than 50% of the defensive snaps by the time the season is over. Not not like in week 18, he'll be on the field for 50%. But by the end of week 18, mm-hmm. he will be on the field for more than 50% of the defensive snaps if he is healthy for all eight, uh, 17 games. Let's talk about the rest of the defensive tackle room for a minute because uh, I think that there is a conversation worth having uh, around the other guys in that room we're talking Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed. So for Dean Lowry, the question is, does he make the 53? And here, here's why I think that is worth talking about. You and I were talking uh, just, just a month or two ago about Dean Lowry is a, a prime candidate for a restructure, maybe an extension, push some money out. His cap hit in 2022 $8 million, uh, just under $4 million of that is dead money, uh, $3.9 million. If you cut him, that's cap savings of $4 million. When you're talking about the razor-thin margins we have, that's not chump change. Dean Lowry, I think, is very... Uh, a few weeks ago, I would say he was pretty essential to the defense. Now that you have Devontae Wyatt... I think Dean Lowry is a bit more of a luxury than he was. The question to me is, do the Packers think about moving on from him? Maybe in a trade. I think Dean Lowry is a guy that you could get some compensation for. He's not a bad player. No. Uh, personally, my vote would be to keep him. But, you know, I, I would like to keep talented players at every position. And you do have to make some tough choices along the road. And when you have Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and uh, Jerron Reed, and TJ Slayton all in the same room, and you have Dean Lowry there as a really nice luxury, 
that you have uh, a guy that you really believe in, provides more depth there, uh, veteran experience, uh, had his best year uh, with the Packers ever was was last year in Joe Barry's system. Uh, he was getting after the quarterback. He was uh, stopping the run. A lot of arguments to keep him, but maybe also think about, hey, let's 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 be um, financially responsible, and we can't tie up all this money in one position group. I'll put it this way: I like Dean Lowry. I like his hustle. I like his intelligence. I like the way he plays the game. And the coaches love him. The coaches love him. He's he's he is the kind of guy coaches tend to like. But he's not an eight million dollar a year player. He's more like a four, maybe on a good day, five million dollar a year player. Which is about what he's made every year up until now. Correct. So let's see. Twenty nineteen was his first year with the team. Gosh, that seems recent. I feel like he's been here since no. like twenty seventeen. Yeah. No, twenty twenty nineteen. All right, maybe maybe this is incorrect. I'm looking at uh, over the cap, over the cap. 2016. Oh, okay, 2016. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna look at this page. So, uh, 2019 was the first year of getting big boy money. Prior right. to that, he was under a million bucks. All right. So, forget the silliness I just said. So, starting in 2019, when he was getting non rookie money, 3.6 uh, cap hit, 3.6 million dollar cap hit. 5.2 in 2020, 3.8 in 2021. Now that jumps up to 8 million in 2022. He's not under contract for next year. He does have uh 1.8 million dollars in dead cap. Uh, really it's it's void years, three void years. Uh, mm-hmm. 1.8 million dollar total. So that's also a factor. Um that is not tied or that, that's not separate from the dead cap of 3.9 million that you would have right now if you cut them. So 3.9 if you cut them right now or 1.8 a year from now. So you're talking about an extra 2.1 million dollars in dead cap that you're tacking on for moving on from him a year early. Those are the kind of numbers that are going to make Russ Ball uh, thinking about moving on from him. And, and this is why going back to what you and I were saying a couple months ago, he's such a prime candidate for an extension. Turn those void years into real years. Give him enough money so he's making like four million bucks a year on average across uh, 2022 through 2025. That's four years. Um, it, it's really about a very similar amount of cash in his pocket every year to what he's getting anyways. It's just way more cap friendly to the Packers. That's right. That's what and, I do. And, he's and you give him a signing bonus. Old. Right. You give him a signing bonus. That's guaranteed money in his pocket. Yeah. And it's money that the Packers can stretch over the length of the deal. But That's what I do. Yeah, I, I, would, I would make that offer too. But the caveat is I would say to Dean Lowry, if you don't take this offer – uh, we may not be able to keep you. Yeah. Okay. Because $8 yeah. million dollars a year. Look, Dean Lowry had a career high five sacks last year. Well, yeah. And, he's, an and he's, been in the, he's been in the league six years. And in six years, he has 15 career sacks. You want to make $8 million a year. You should be getting at least eight or nine sacks a season. 
or doing or being one of the better run stopping defensive linemen in the league. Well, uh, so a, a caveat, he's not earning $8 million a year. We but that's pushed, the cap hit. Yeah, he's, he's making $5 million bucks a year, and we pushed uh, about $2 million of last year's money into this year. So, yes, cap hit, $8 million bucks. He's making about five. I think if you give him a, a, an offer and you say, we're going to, from 2022 through 2025, this is four years total, we're going to give you four, four and a half uh, a year average. That's about what you're making anyways. Um, and, and and it lowers our cap hit drastically for this year and lets us keep you around until you're 31 years old, which is kind of when I want to be moving on from him. I don't want to move on from him at 28. I want to move on from him at 31. Yeah, and, and it gives him more money in his pocket today, which is always a, a value as well. It would be a win-win situation if Lowry is willing to do that. Uh, I don't think we'll see any move on this maybe until after June 1st when the cap ramifications change a little bit. But to me, uh, you know, June 1st makes sense. I, I think we touched his contract after the June 1st last year as well. I think that's that's what happened. Yeah. Me? Yeah. So, you know, look, he's a useful player. He's a good guy in the locker room. He is uh, the, the kind of guy you want to have on your team. But that $8 million cap hit just stings right now. And, you know. And, and you got Jerron Reed in there as well. And I, I think that Jerron Reed, uh, who who I, I would say is overrated, but not bad. I, I'm, right. I'm still glad that he's on the team. I just don't think that he is uh, what his reputation is. But you're looking at four guys here in your in your uh rotation that you have just a ton of confidence in Kenny Clark Dean Lowry Jerron Reed uh Devontae Wyatt I I would be shocked if there's another defensive tackle group in the NFL that's as good as that and then add second year TJ Slayton depending Slayton. on whether or not he takes yep. a step forward you got a nice little group there really if you group. keep those five guys absolutely let's talk about some of the the positives of Devontae Wyatt from uh, here's here's a scouting report, and this is something you see consistently across all these scouting reports on Devontae Wyatt. He's, he has a fantastic first step, just explodes mm-hmm. off the ball, uh, keeps a good pad level. He's got a lot of fight in him. He is a dog. He just fights and fights and fights and never gives up on a play. One of the things I really loved scouting uh, Quay Walker at well, uh, I shouldn't say scouting, watching Quay Walker after we drafted him was that I got to watch Devonte Wyatt at the same time. These guys are both on the <laughs> field together and Devonte was stealing the show on a lot of like Quay Walker's highlight reel. Yeah. Devonte was oftentimes he was the disruptor that was uh, creating opportunities for Quay to get in there and do damage. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. And you can go back another year and throw Eric Stokes into the mix too. Oh, it's so exciting to have all three of these guys together. Yeah, how how cool must it have been for Eric Stokes, by the way, on draft night that both first round picks are your teammates? Oh my gosh! And all three of them keep the G on the side of their helmet, just a different color. Super cool. Yeah, he was tweeting about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? For for the photoshoppers out there who want to put these boys in green and gold, makes your job a little bit easier. I'll say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, some other positives for Devontae Wyatt. He's got, like I said, a lot, a lot of fight in him. Uh, and he really channels that speed and that energy in the right spot. He's got good power. 
keeps good momentum behind his pads, uh, above average eyes and discipline, very smart uh, football player, really knows uh, his assignment at all times. I love his follow through. I, I, I love the way when it seems like a play, a play has broken wide open. I mean, one of his greatest um, I'm drawn up. I think it was maybe it was Bryce Young um, that uh, takes off running and Devonte Wyatt is chasing him. Devonte Wyatt falls down, gets back up and then chases the quarterback again. I think it was Bryce Young chases the quarterback quarterback down and bring his been down after he fell down after the quarterback had already scrambled free from the pocket. It was crazy. Uh, like I said, he, he moves like a linebacker, but he's got the size of a defensive tackle. It's crazy. Yeah. And I love his ball recognition. He knows where the ball's going and he gets there in a hurry. Good lateral movement on top of it. Here is a guy who really, he can be helpful both against the run and against the pass. Once he's up to speed in the NFL, he has the potential to be a three-down defensive lineman, and I think Kenny Clark is really the only guy you always want out there. Uh, last year, it was like, okay, we got Kenny Clark. Maybe one other guy will rotate in on third and long. I, I think now we've got at least two or three guys who can do that. Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker stole a lot of attention from De- Devontae Wyatt in the draft, and for good reason. They're They're freak athletes. Devontae Wyatt is also a freak athlete, maybe not quite to the same level as those two guys, but still top tier. He's got uh, what a nine, five, six RAS. I mean, that that is that is alien like. And, <laughs> um, and and I think he was by far the most polished p- football player of the three. Uh, he's a former four star uh, high school re- recruit. Uh, had to spend a year in uh, at community college before going to Georgia. Four-year contributor, two-year starter, 2021 first-team All-SEC in 2021. He had seven tackles for loss, two-and-a-half sacks, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery. The guy is always where the action is. Uh, for, for a defensive tackle, this is about as good as it's going to get. Yeah, absolutely, and and look, the potential is there. Brian Gutekunst loves to draft athletes and make them into ideal football players if they fit in the Packers system. He did it with Rashawn Gary, and he's going to try to do it again now with Devontae Wyatt, and I think uh, it'll be great to watch his development. You know, if he's got a similar work ethic to Rashawn Gary, it shouldn't take all that long. Here, here's my plea to uh, opposing offensive linemen. Please keep trying to double Kenny Clark. I beg you <laughs> because we will make your quarterback's life a living hell. And Wyatt, by the way, fantastic in the run game as well. Uh, he, we keep mentioning that he has such a quick and explosive first step. Man, in the running game, if he's uh, up against a single blocker, it's game over. Good Wyatt luck. wins yeah. that every time. He he finishes well. He's got great balance. Stays upright. Great eye discipline. Uh, good luck trying to trick him. He he sniffs out the run nice and early. Um, definitely some stuff that he has to work on. Obviously, he's a rookie. Um, but but this is a guy I think who is 
more equipped to be a contributor in year one than either of his uh, two more famous uh, defensive tackle teammates. Yeah, I, I think so too. We touched on that. He's older. He comes from a pro defense. He's intelligent. I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this kid can do this season. Uh, another underrated aspect of his game is uh, great change of direction skills. Dude can spin on a dime. Great spin move. Uh, you know, it makes sense with that with that first uh, quick first step that he's got. Makes sense that if you can go from not moving to moving really quickly, it would make sense that you can also go in the opposite direction really quickly as well. Nice, loose, fluid hips, great lateral movement. I'm really excited for what our, our interior linemen and our linebackers are going to do. Man, you think back to that 2019 season where he had a bunch of running backs tearing us apart, most famously with Raheem Mostert uh, in the NFC Championship game. Man, if you could <laughs> unleash this defense against him, yeah, he be going whole, anywhere. It's he, a whole different animal. It's a whole different animal. But yeah, but, I mean, but, but, but think about this, okay? In the last few years, we have been murdered by uh, teams that have an elite front seven. Uh, uh, Colts, Chargers, Niners, Buccaneers. Now we have that elite front seven. And I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that that is what Goody was trying so hard to build when we see how effective it was against us. Yeah, no, if you can't beat them, join them. That's uh, the old expression. And uh, I I really, you win from the trenches out. We already have the, the quarterback that we need. We have the two running backs the one thing you noticed from this year's draft, heavy on the offensive line, heavy on the front seven on defense, and it makes sense. It makes sense. We got those between Devondre and Quay. Uh, by the way, if you if you did not catch our Quay Walker episode last week, go back and listen to it. But between Devondre and Quay, we got those rangy sideline to sideline linebackers, a la uh, Devin White or mm-hmm. – uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I think it's the other guy's name, not Nickelby Dean, not Devin Lloyd. What on the, the on, other guy at Tampa? Oh, uh, Devin White and uh, I'm blanking out here. I'm just thinking of all the rookies in this draft now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a la Fred Warner. Yep, we got that rangy sideline to sideline, uh, athletic linebacker who's going to beat the running backs to the outside. You think about because that's where Aaron Jones has has um, been limited is when we go up against those kinds of linebackers. Now, what about Levante David? Levante David. Thank you. You can see why I was thinking Nicobe Dean. Yeah. Um, when I was trying to think of Levante David. Uh, man, you know, and, and the Buccaneers had two of those guys. Well, now we have two of those guys. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be really exciting. And the nice thing is that we are also multiple on offense. All right. We go up against those kinds of linebackers. No problem. Aaron Jones, you can sit back or you can go be a, a part of the receiving game. A.J. Dillon is going to smash into them right up the middle because he can. And and he was effective against the Buccaneers. It was it was just a shame we didn't lean on him more because when he had the ball, he was moving it. This is the nice thing. We're multiple on offense and defense. Uh, definitely, definitely things, you know, with the receivers and the tight ends that you could – have some concerns about we're going to uh, start talking about uh, receivers and offensive line in the next week or two here as we start uh, doing our previews of Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom. 
Not sure exactly how we're going to divvy those up. Maybe it would make sense to the two receivers and then the two offensive linemen in their own episodes. Let's talk it over and see what we do. But overall, this is shaping up to be one of the better rosters um, in the entire NFL. And I'm not really sure who else you could actually rank ahead of them. I I think you got a, a top tier, but I'm not sure who you could put ahead of them. There are a lot of reasons for optimism. There are reasons for questioning things also. But overall, talent-wise, I am happy with this roster. All right. We, uh, we're going to have to next week, I think, uh, after we've had a little bit more time to digest this schedule, maybe we start talking about uh, record predictions and, and how many wins we think we're going to get out of this. Uh, it be, be exciting. That'll be a good conversation next week. But for today, that's going to do it. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Phil Packers, at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not bad.